1: Like what you learn on this and other Cashflow Diary podcast episodes? Go to learninvestingnow.com and sign up to receive powerful tips and information that will help you succeed as an entrepreneur and investor. Now, here's your host, investor, entrepreneur, business owner, educator, speaker, author, and master facilitator of Robert Kiyosaki's Cashflow Game, Jay Massey.
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Diary Podcast and I'm your host Jay Massey and I'm glad that you are here today because, you know, one of the interesting things about being in business, building cashflow, going out there to do something is because you usually do these things because you actually want to do something else. You're like, hey, if I built a business, I could then go, you know, run with the bulls or then I could travel or then I could do this or then I could make a difference in these ways. What would happen if you actually made a business out of making things happen for other people that just seemed impossible. You're like, Jay, what are you talking about? What, what if you wanted to visit the International Space Station? Do you know someone? Like, who could help you with that? Or what about you wanted to, to trek on a luxury safari in the Amazon and the Serengeti? Uh, or what if you wanted to go on the legendary sardine run in Southern Africa? Or w- what if you just wanted a walk on roll in a hit tv show. What if you built a business around doing those things for other people? I'm sure right now you're like that's not possible. Well, today's guest says it is. His name is none other than Steve Sims. He's the founder and CEO of The Bluefish and the author of the new book Blue Fishing: The Art of Making Things Happen, and you already know I like that title. So, ladies and gentlemen, here's what i'm going to ask you to do i'm going to ask you to put yourself in that mindset of you know what the things that i've thought were not possible here comes a guy who makes them possible not only possible but he increases them to make them probable and now it's time for you and i to listen to take notes to understand to hear the lessons so that we can duplicate and make our dreams come true as well help me welcome steve sims steve you there
2: I am. That's a hell of a build-up, though. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Way more than visiting the International Space Station, taking a submarine to the Titanic. I mean, come on, dude. That <laughs> I, it's like, how do I make use sound like? Wow, that's in that's insane. Some of the stuff that you're out there doing. But I'm glad that you're here. Now, with that being said, this is your first time here. So what I want to do is I want to ask you the same question I ask everybody the first time that they're here. You ready?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it.
0: All right. I tend to look at today's entrepreneurs a lot like yesterday's superheroes, you know, Batman, Robin, Wonder Woman, etc. Because I think entrepreneurs and superheroes have a ton of things in common. Chief among them is that as an entrepreneur, occasionally I can imagine myself flying around town, maybe wearing a special outfit, saving my customers and rescuing them in various forms. But also like a superhero, an entrepreneur has a beginning. So, for example, let's think about Spider-Man. There was a time where all he was trying to do was eat, and he was just going to school, taking some photos, make sure he could eat and pay some bills, that type of thing. And then one day, he gets bit by a spider. And then discovers, hey, I got this superhuman ability now, and he gets to choose whether to use it for good or evil. So my question to you is as follows. Before your book you know, blue fishing, the art of making things happen before the company, uh, before being able to create and meet all the, the celebrities and working with high end individuals to create experiences for them. What we want to know is, who is Steve Sims?
2: Wow. Well, that's very easy. Um, I was and am an uneducated East London bricklayer. Nice. Yep. Simple as that no frills <laughs> uh, that, that that might be
0: the simplest answer we've ever gotten so okay but then it does lead itself to a very interesting question how do you go from bricklayer okay to being able to take a luxury safari in the amazon or or private cooking lessons with the world's finest executive chefs how 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 does that happen there there's there's a story there
2: yeah um it happened one day, and it was it was very vivid to me, and it still is. Um, I was a bricklayer at the age of 15. I left school, worked on my dad's construction firm. I went up a ladder, and uh, on the scaffolding, laying bricks, was my dad, my cousin, my uncles, my nephews. Everyone lined up, and I saw my family tree, and my granddad was there as well. I remember seeing my entire future laying bricks, and – At the age of like – I think by this time I was maybe like 17 and 18 and questioned everything like most teenagers do. I was like, is this it? Is this – and it really hit me in the head. Is this my life? And I remember starting to ask a lot of questions, aggravating a lot of people because people – if people are stuck in that life, they kind of don't like it when people try to break out. So there's a lot of naysayers out there. Um, And so I was saying, hey, why didn't you do anything else? They'd be like, oh, this is my – I wanted something different, so I went for the polar opposite. I actually went from bricklayer and tried in the 80s to get a job as a stockbroker. And a friend of mine, and it's a funny, stupid story that no one's going to believe, but a friend of mine at school was a stockbroker in London and told me about these internships that they were doing at his local brokerage house. So one day I actually went along and applied for an internship wearing my dad's suit. <laughs> Now, when I got to the bank, the reason there was internships was because they were sending off a whole bunch of them, established stockbrokers to Hong Kong. When I turned up at the bank, I actually jumped in that room and pretended as though I was there to listen about it. And I actually sat there eating uh, all of the buffet breakfast, just enjoying this experience of being in a sandpit. And you talk about entrepreneurs the beautiful thing about entrepreneurs is we get to play in other people's sandpit. We get to try different things. And I think that was one of the first times I realized that I was an entrepreneur in the fact that I like to go through doors that maybe I shouldn't have gone through just to see what it looked like on the other side, you know inquisitive nature. And <laughs> this is this is a bit ballsy, but you know I'm East London cocky Irish lad at the time thinking I was invincible. I actually walked up, the, the guy on stage said, oh, and when you get to the back of the room, make sure the girls have got your addresses to send you the, the welcome and travel pack. I walked back to this girl and I looked at her and I said, hi, Steve Sims. And she looked at her list. Now, bear in mind, I hadn't been in the bank um, for maybe longer than an hour. And she looked at the list and she went, I'm sorry, I don't see your name. So I stood there and I went, Oh no! Not again! She, don't I take it down now? So she took my name and it went down. And believe it or not, they were sending so many people to Hong Kong. They actually sent me my welcome pack, including a ticket. And I took off on the Friday from London. Landed on the Saturday because of time zone. I went out drinking with all the new brokers on the Saturday and Sunday. Went to orientation on the Monday, and I was fired on the Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, so now I'm stuck in uh, stuck in Hong Kong, um, and ended up getting you know I'm a big big ugly lad, so I ended up getting a job on the door in Wan Chai, which was the clubby area mm. of uh, Hong Kong, and then I just started kind of, like mingling with people and thinking, well, all right, I'm out of the brick lane world now. What's next?
0: <laughs> That's um, for sure.
2: Yeah, and so I just started throwing some parties and networking, and and it just grew from that. People would go, oh, can you do this? And because I had nothing to lose, I'd be like, yeah, it doesn't sound too hard. Let me have a stab at it. I'll try it. Mm. And I was just stunned, even at that age, of how people are scared of fear itself. Mm. And they will just go, oh, I want to do that. And then immediately, and they do it now. And if people didn't have this – this um this thing i'd be bankrupt but people come to me and they go oh i want to get a guitar lesson by sting oh but i can't do that. and they will suddenly go off on how they can't do things mm-hmm. and as like reed says it's the size of your butt that stops you going forward you know but i can't do this mm-hmm. But I don't have the money and these people will tell you the dream and then immediately tell you why it can't happen and i look at it and i go well, why can't it? You're spending so much energy on thinking up reasons that it mm-hmm. can't, above, mm-hmm. thinking of reasons that it has to happen, and it just bewildered me. And I think my biggest, my biggest luck was how uneducated I was as a child, that mm-hmm. I didn't have the foresight, or I didn't have that fear at that time and of course as i've got older i've realized that you know it is fear itself and i now class myself as educated because i travel and get to do so much but i'm sure as hell think that school and education schooling had nothing to do with my education
0: totally understood and agreed with you there what i what i'm finding interesting though is that your perspective on concepts like fear for for example are Definitely something I think everybody's going to be able to relate to because there's a number of us who will say will say things like like you're talking about. Hey, we might you know do it in revenue terms. I just want to start a business. I just don't want to be you know at at this job any longer. I I just don't want to do this and but I can't go earn a million dollars. I can't do two million. I can't do ten because I you know and we have this long list of reasons why something won't work, but. You've built a business around finding out ways to make the things that we say won't work, work. So I have a question for you. Where does that that extra little bit of courage comes from? Because starting any type of business is a challenge. Um, And that's when the customers are obvious. You you are catering towards a a higher-end clientele. You're catering towards the the fears hopes and dreams of others so being able to find that customer it's like wow is there enough people are there enough potential customers out there for such a specialized business which says to me steve you got a special kind of courage going on and i want to know where that comes from
2: oh wow um do you know that's a fantastic question i'll tell you buddy no one's ever asked me that question before i don't think i had much courage i think i had heaps of stupidity and
0: okay please explain
2: yeah i think there were so many times when i would go and do something and then someone would turn around and go how did you do that and they will put it on a pedestal and and people do that they go i want to meet elon musk and again it's the butt thing but he's so there and i can't do it and they put, these, they put these objects of desire, they put these people they want to meet, they put these red carpets they want to walk, they put them on a pedestal, and all of a sudden that pedestal gets higher and higher and higher, and it just keeps pushing it out of their own reach. I never saw that. And like I had a client a couple of years ago wanting to get married in the Vatican by the Pope. And as far as I wow. was concerned, the Vatican was a massive location, yes. But at the end of the day, it's a venue. If I said to you, oh, I've got someone married in a venue, you're no longer in awe of that. You're no longer glamorizing that. That's no longer out of your reach. If I said to you, I did it in your local church hall, you'd be like, oh, great. Congratulations on the couple. <laughs> Call it the Vatican, and all of a sudden, everyone gets deer in headlights and gets terrified. I always broke it down, and I always – everyone says, how do you eat an elephant? You know, inch by inch. That's what I do. I look at it, and I go, well, okay – you want, a, you want a, a piano lesson with Elton John? Great. Okay. First thing is you need a piano. You know, so it, it just break it down to the smallest element and simplify it um, without the paralysis by analysis aspect. So I think right in my early stages, I never had the education. I was ignorant to this fear. I was very questionable. Why can't it happen? And I was very keen, and I mentioned this in the beginning of the statement, I couldn't understand or acknowledge why people would put so much effort into it into coming up with really spectacular reasons for it not to happen as opposed to the reason why it must happen and that was a mindset that i think i had um before i realized how powerful it was for me
0: yeah exactly i i can i can see how that can play to your advantage so let me ask you this question then today when you talk to your clients or just look at the the human population in general Uh, I would imagine that you see a a number of individuals that just put unnecessary boundaries and limits on themselves. What would you say to that person who's listening right now that is wanting to do something but is is looking for that ability to do it but has that long list of why it can't be done?
2: Well, (laughs) here's where it gets tough. I love the fact that people have those um, fears because, as I say, if they didn't have the fears, I would be out of a job. Uh, <laughs> right. So I, lo- I like the fact that you're all terrified to actually do anything. Um, but the book's called The Art of Making Things Happen rather than sit on your ass and it will come to you. Right. There is a strategy and a structure of what you need to do, and the first thing you need to do is basically get out of the way of yourself. Yeah. Most people actually love... Sitting in a rut, they hate the rut, but it's it's familiar to them. And uh, Joe Polish um, said to me ages ago, he said, "It's uh, you got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable." And I really love. It. I get a lot of my education from little quips, so mm-hmm. I love these little these little low uh, slogans I hear. And I remember that one, and I love being uncomfortable. I actually adore it, and I've got so comfortable with it, and I also. Uh, no, as human beings, we are scared of certain things. Certain things terrify us. What I made sure of is I made sure to recognize my fear and translate it into another area. I'm not, fear- I'm not fearful of trying something amazing. I'm fearful of not trying. I'm fearful of this time next week being in the exact same position that I am today. No growth, no attempt, no trying something, no experiencing, no tasting something to have wasted an entire week of zero growth. That's what I'm terrified of. And if you suddenly become frightened of that, that's when you're going to get somewhere. Because I've noticed a lot of people won't run as fast to something as they will running away from something.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And and, and I get that.
2: do you know? I've never actually ever said that. That was deep. I should, I'm, when this goes down, I'm gonna bite that down. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is good, but that but that's what I'm talking about. Is that there's a there's a deeper level of understanding simply because of what you do. Yes, I, I get the competitive advantage or, or the fact that your business exists to because we're afraid. But all businesses exist because there's a problem that the customer has and hasn't figured out how to solve. Um, so which kind of leads me to, why would you take the time to write a book and tell us how to make stuff happen?
2: So for many years, you yeah, know, we're in about 23 years of doing this concierge and, uh, wish fulfillment stuff. Um, we, we got called by Forbes, the real life wizard of Oz. Basically, if you can dream it and afford it, we make it happen. Um, I have done tons of, of TV, radio, speeches on the world of luxury and many, many times have been approached and like, oh, you should write a book and you know, tell us about the A-list celebrities you deal with and the, the rich and famous and the people that own countries that you deal with. If I wrote a book on any of those clients, I'd be dead by cocktail hour. Um, <laughs> and in none of my media do I ever mention the clients' names. I mention the experiences, never mention the clients' names. So this was always a, a, a no starter for me. Something happened in about 2007 between 2007 and 2009 where a lot of people started approaching me going, Hey, I want you on this stage. I want you on this TV show. I want you on this podcast, but can you do me a favor? I don't want you to talk about what you did at the academia or what you did with Ferrari at Monaco. I want you to talk about how you made that connection. How did you do X and all of a sudden, I started speaking to a lot more entrepreneurial groups and then realized that 99 percent of my clients were actually entrepreneurs. So without realizing it, I was talking to like-minded individuals already. Um, and then it was a couple of years ago, maybe four, four or five years ago, Jason Gayanard had, had me up on stage in uh, Mastermind Talks, uh, that brilliant thing um, in Canada. And uh, I spoke on stage about, you know, how I communicate pe- with people by handwritten notes and using hotel stationery. And then after that, I met up with um, Tucker Max, who said, you know, we've got to get you in front of someone about doing a book. And I said at the time, I don't want to do one on luxury and hotels and, you know, travel and exp-. He went, no, 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 no. This needs to be a dummy's guide to doing something. You know, a unscientific, non-rocket science, basic, primitive, how do you do this? What are the steps? So he actually introduced me to someone and then, uh, quite shock horror. They introduced me to Simon Schuster who bit my arm off and said, let's do it. So, um, I'm now sat with one of the biggest publishing houses in America, North star Simon Schuster and, uh, Michelle Martin. Good girl. Appreciate it. Thank you. Um, backed it. And we, uh, we went about writing a book that would give you a few of the little kind of like cocktail stories of how we did something, but more importantly, breaking it down into a playbook of this is what we did with this. You can actually use the exact same steps in branding your plumbing company or trying to get a relationship or a job or try to reach out to a celebrity, or how to establish better ROI on relationships, how to communicate. I really rant about communication because we have so much technology now that people think teaches us how to communicate. It doesn't. It just dilutes. It's like putting water in a gas tank. You are diluting your ability to build a relationship by the inefficient means in which you communicate with each other today. And I put a book together so that if I phone up the Vatican. If I phone up Elton John's crew, if I phone up, you know Formula One, they take my call because I've established the relationships. And I felt it was time that I tried to give to others what I did. Um, and so I don't want to kind of like sound as though I'm kind of like riding around on a floating carpet, but I really wanted to see how much of my experience I could actually put out there to show people. Look. If a thick ass lump of an Irish bricklayer can do this, you're out of excuses already.
0: <laughs> totally understood. But but really quickly, um, if I wanted to go float on a carpet, you you could make that happen, though, right?
1: Absolutely.
2: <laughs> you just tell me what color carpet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of which, what would you say has been some of the like? What are like the top three? Not not necessarily the craziest, but the top three. Experiences that you've created that you personally enjoyed and went and stepped back and, like, wow, I I can't believe I made that happen. Hello there, entrepreneur. This is Jay Massey. I know that if you've ever gone over to the site cashflowdiary.com, you may have asked yourself, where on earth do you get a domain name from? Especially as you are beginning to build your bigger, better, batter business, you need a web presence. You need the email address. You need a way for people to contact you electronically so that you can stop doing the at gmail.com game. Well, the good folks over at GoDaddy have definitely supplied us with every domain that we have ever used. So what I want you to do is I want you to go over to trygodaddy.com forward slash cashflowdiary. Again, that's trygodaddy.com forward slash cashflowdiary because it's a quick way for you to get set up to capture your domain name the exact way that you want it. They got easy search functions and most importantly for you is that you'll be up and running today. As I said, once you get started, stay started. Don't let small little obstacles of how to get your own domain name going stop you. So again, go to trygodaddy.com forward slash flow diary and let's get back to the rest of the story.
2: Um, Top three. God, you put me on the spot. I won't waste too much time, so I'll try and – all right, so I've got three. All right. um, I have a phenomenal relationship with Elton John's crew, and we've partnered every year uh, for the Elton John AIDS Foundation Oscar party uh, in Hollywood. Hmm. This gives me a great chance to just walk the white carpet – they have a white carpet, not a red carpet. gives me the chance to walk the white carpet with fantastic people – uh, celebrities, a list, and also a bunch of bluefish clients. So I love being part of that. Every year I go to, to that Oscar party and I can't believe I'm walking down the carpet with Elton John and Steven Tyler and all these people. It just, it just mind boggling. I'm still that Irish kid from London on a motorcycle. So that I've never grown up on there. Um, one of the ones, so that's a relationship I really cherish. I'm trying to give you three different categories of answers. Um, An experience that I put together which still wakes me up in cold sweat was when a client of mine asked to have a dinner in Florence. So we actually took over the academia. And for anyone that doesn't know, the academia is the museum in Florence that houses Michelangelo's David, the most famous statue in the world. And we kicked everyone out and set up a dinner party for six people, him his girlfriend, mum, and dad, and a friend and his wife. Six people had dinner at the feet of Michelangelo's David in a museum that was completely empty at about nine thirty at night, and then during the dinner, I had Andrea Bocelli come in and serenade them. What? So, yeah, that was kind of cool. Um, <laughs> so I did that. That was that was one that still wakes me up. Um, just being able to walk around a museum at midnight, you know, right. it's just phenomenal. Um, I'll tell you a funny story quickly. As as we're uh, on the front of the academia, are these two massive wooden doors and there's these brass plaques in different languages. Now I'm on the front door as the catering staff are coming in, they're loading a piano in, we've got a string quartet lining up, all the catering staff and the table and the chandeliers and the flowers, it's all coming through and I'm stood with the security and I turned around to them and I'm looking at this plaque, all these plaques and I'm thinking, Oh, I wonder what they say. Cause they're all in different languages. So I said to the guy, I said, oh, I see all these really old plaques. You know, what are they saying? The guy looks at me, and I won't try and impersonate an Italian language for fear of death. But um, (laughs) the guy looks at me and he said, they all say the same. And I said, oh, what's that then? Thinking it's going to be like, you know, the home of Michelangelo's David or something like that. And he said, no food and drink in the academia. And every single one of them said the exact same thing in a different language, and there's us, loading in with all <laughs> this food. and I just roared. So that made me giggle. Um, that was a, obviously a big, expensive, over-the-top thing, but I have to finish on one that still makes me cry, and thankfully this is not on video, so you can't see a grown man <laughs> I've got a client that's uh, been married for many years. He's been a client of ours for about 12 of those years, And he contacted me a few years back to celebrate his 20th. And every year, he had done something magical, fantastical, and quite openly expensive. Hmm. One year, he actually asked me, could we do something wonderful, brilliant, impactful? It was that last word that changed the tangent of where we needed to go. We actually went back in time to the first time they met and recreated the first picnic that he had set up for her, including an exact copy of his mum's picnic blanket and a a boom box to run DMC would have been proud of. Now it took we had to buy three of those boom boxes to be able to find one that actually worked. Um, <laughs> right. So it was really cheap. Going to mind this guy spent fifty, a hundred, I think the most expensive was like about four hundred and something grand, you know, for, for a weekend. And there's this picnic we put together where the only thing that was expensive were these boom boxes. Now, his wife got out of the car when they were driven through the park. He was sitting on the park and rekindling the first time they met, he actually had a glass of champagne as she was walking through the college campus and he went, "Can I join me? He reenacted that and she fell apart. She flooded with tears that he had the detail just perfectly done And it just hit me then that they had spent millions of dollars celebrating past anniversaries. This one was just over a grand because of the boom boxes. And this was the one that drew her to tears.
0: Yeah, I get that. And for those of you listening, uh, a boombox is what we had before uh, iPhone, before the iPod, before the <laughs> CD player. But it it's 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 old technology. Just just no, it's, know it's pretty.
2: Case it's the suitcase with speakers you had on your shoulders as you trundled down the road in your in your added a sweatsuit.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and <laughs> and the louder the better. And that's just the way it was. So, you yep. know, it is what it is. So uh, I'm kind of actually curious uh, of two parts. What is, like, an experience uh, that, you've, that you've thought of and you're like, man, I would like, I would like to go do this. Like, the, what's something in that category? 23 years
2: later, I don't have any. Um, as a kid growing up, I always wanted to go to like the Monaco Grand Prix or I wanted to go, you know, red carpet in a, in a celebrity thing. And you, you have all these kind of things, you know. When I was a kid in London, I wore jeans, black T-shirt, rode around on motorcycles. I'm 51 years old now. I live in Los Angeles. I don't own a car. I'm stood here in my garage surrounded by motorcycles with a black T-shirt on on jeans. Mm-hmm. So I've never really changed Right. The quality of my bike is better now. I'll appreciate sure. that. Um, but um, I'm actually an incredibly dull person. If it wasn't for my clients, I wouldn't do half of the things that I do because I like to barbecue. You know, I mm. adopt dogs, too many of them. Um, I got three kids. I like some of them. So <laughs> it, I, just, I don't do a lot. But what I do like that I get to live vicariously through is when I get someone contact me that he goes, Hey, I really want to do this in Poland. I really want to do this in Ginza, Japan. Oh, I'd really like to do this in Malaysia. Could could you fly over Tuesday and we'll we'll talk about it? That's when you go, hell yeah, why not? So and I really enjoy that life. So I get I get to live other people's dreams. And I tell you, there's no better drug of choice. Than watching someone's passion just absolutely, I won't say explode, but implode. They just they just can't contain themselves.
0: You know, I, as you were talking, I was sitting here thinking. I was like, I bet you this ceased being about uh, the money for you a long time ago, and was is more about. It, it sounds. I hear mission when you speak. I hear you know making a difference, or the word was impact, and and those types of things uh is is what i hear underneath that's the subtext when you are talking and i'm curious to know uh, when it comes to running a business as as, like yours how important is the concept of of mission
2: missions everything the first time you screw it up is when you start looking at it as a as a money maker and like all entrepreneurs we start i didn't start this company the client started this company. There was a needed and desire and no one was fulfilling it. And I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. Mm. Uh, and so it grew. Um, and the bluefish actually came from when I started throwing kind of like cool parties, I had people turn up and I always used to have a password because I wanted people that were open for a laugh. I didn't want any kind of like trust fund, you know, um, a holes. Mm. Uh, and so, you know, I would send someone the location. I would give them a password, and I would say things like, name two of the Teletubbies, or finish this sentence, one fish, two fish, red fish. So I would have people that that owned, you know, countries come up to the door and go,
1: Bluefish,
2: and we would let them in. And that's how it started. The second that it started doing really well, um, I screwed it up. I tried to rename the brand with something prestigious. I actually tried doing a flashy business card, no one wanted it. While I kept it primitive and impossible to misunderstand, that's when people wanted it. So the whole concept of that grew. And then as soon as I started going, okay, we need to make money on this and we need to do this and we better do it again. You screw it up because as entrepreneurs, we tend to get good at something and then just seem to mandatorily F it up. Um, so I very quickly realized that there were a number of things. And you talk about superhumans, and I really like that, that, you, that you used that at the beginning, um, because Spider-Man, Spider-Man can't fly. Spider-Man doesn't have a utility belt. You know, Spider-Man does what Spidey does, okay? Every superhero is good at 5%. They're good at something that the other ones are not. And I'm a great believer that we're all looking or should be on our eternal hunt for our five percent. I found my five percent. I make things happen. If you look at Elon Musk and and Richard Branson, I could beat those guys on motorcycles. I can beat those guys at basketball, you know. But that's not that five percent. they all. They found that five percent and they excel at it. And I realised that I couldn't do accounting. I couldn't do invoicing. I couldn't do infrastructure. So what do you do? You employ people that can, so it gives you more time in the day to work on your 5%. And when you suddenly eradicate all of those things that you don't want to do or that someone else can do just as good or better and that you paid them to do it, and with outsourcing now, it's so – cheap. you know, Fiverr, I'm on Fiverr more times than I'm clicking through a TV channel. I have Fiverr do so much of my work, Um, Mm -hmm. and I outsource absolutely anything I can. That's when you can actually really drag it down to okay, what is your core? And again, you you hit it on the head. I believe I have a mission to make it happen.
0: Yeah, I, I can hear it. It's just interesting to me how it comes about because I I know when when sitting around going, hey, what's a great business idea? The idea of I know. Uh, I'm gonna build a business around making the impossible things or the things people <laughs> perceive to be impossible happen. That does not just come up in natural conversation. So, uh, yeah. I, I, I just like it. No one,
2: a lot of if they don't know, like my website doesn't have a phone number. And you talk about referral business. Mm-hmm. There should be a picture of me when you search referral business. Uh, Because I get all of my clients that come to me going, hey, I heard you you did this for Johnny, or I heard you did this for, for Birdie, I need this. So all of my stuff comes through that. If I'm in an event, or I'm in a location where nobody knows who I am, and again, I'm a very quiet guy, so I'm not the networker, I never carry business cards, I don't run around shaking hands. If people come up to me and they go, hey, what do you do? I don't know how to answer them. And so quite often I will say, I'm a plumber. Oh, I have a direct TV franchise. I will just throw them completely off the curve because the couple of times I've gone, oh, have you ever wanted to go and see the Titanic or go you know, to the red carpet Oscar parties or maybe sing on stage with your favorite rock band? That's what I do. And they look at you and they go, yeah, mate, sure you do. And they move on. So... They much, much easier believe that I was a plumber than uh, than what I do.
0: That's you know, what's really funny about that is that I I suffer from the same disease, so to speak. And I often just tell people I work at Starbucks because I I often sit at Starbucks and actually do work there. But they assume I work at Starbucks, which is pretty cool. With that being said, though, I am curious about something. The name of the company, Bluefish, help me understand is there a story there did you yeah just... <laughs>
2: and i actually i've actually already given it to you that's what so, i was
0: thinking i was thinking that it had something to do with that and i was like but maybe yeah. it doesn't i don't
2: know now we used to get we used to have about three because back in the 90s way before websites um we used to send people faxes of where the party was going to be <laughs> yes and we used to send this fax out and we used to get a tell them at the bottom name two of the teletubbies you know the toughest one. And again, this was pre-Google or anything. Name the lion out of the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. Aslan? Oh, well done. I would have so many people come up to the door. And I used to be on like, the doorman. You know, again, yeah. being the, the big guy I am, people would come up to me and they'd be like, I don't know. Um, <laughs> is it Robert. And, you know, because they were so much up for a laugh and they never had their head up their backside, we'd be like, you're wrong chill in have a good night and it was that kind of thing so for us that password thing was just a little filter we would get people turn up at a party and go i'm here for the party yeah Uh, no party here man and i would just look at my fellow meathead and i'd be like hey john do you know if there's a party?" no i don't think so of course there's a crowd of people behind him (laughs) and we would just blank the guy and then the next guy come up to us and go tinky winky poe and we'd say in you go buddy and so when we when we were doing this The first time it happened, I was actually called into a bank. Believe it or not, I actually thought this bank was going to give me a job. So I got this (laughs) phone call, and the manager at the bank wanted me to come in. And I'm thinking, yeah, I'm going to be a stockbroker after all. This is great. This is wonderful. And I went in there, and he sat me down. He got me coffee, and he went, we have a client. She was a princess. She went to the party the other day, and she would like Bluefish to handle one of her parties. And I was sat there, and I was like, oh, that's great. And I was sat there thinking to myself, who the bloody hell is bluefish? <laughs> and so I'm still sat there thinking he's gonna tell me about this job. Right. And then he went, So are you gonna contact her? And I went, Me? What <laughs> why why me? And he went, You own Bluefish, don't you? And I went, no. He went, she went to a couple of parties and she said it was a bluefish party. That's and it suddenly funny. dawned on me that people So when we realized that people were actually starting to talk about it that's when we went out and tried to rename the company set it up and we had this ostentatious name and we had this girl answering the phone and stuff and people would answer the phone and she would say and they would go oh is that that bluefish company and the lady be like oh no we are called trianon and they'd be like now we're looking for bluefish and hang up Mm. so it was about six months later that we dumped that company and just went back to being bluefish and um that's how the the thing came out and that was the beauty because bluefish and again, this goes back to the uneducated element. If you launch a company, you will spend weeks, months, maybe even a year thinking of the title. We now had a title that meant nothing. You know, If you think of luxury lifestyle concierge, real life Wizard of Oz, you don't think of calling it a fish.
0: Yeah, and not so, a blue in anyway.
2: <laughs> no, exactly. So the whole point was that we were able to actually bring a meaning to something that didn't have a meaning
0: that i mean what's really interesting about that is it's almost just understanding that a lot of the answers that we as entrepreneurs are searching for our customers have them if we're only listening and the the fact that you listened i mean yeah i get the fact that you oh let's go do it right is probably what you were thinking and then you're like hey but you you still knew enough to listen to what your customer had to say and, and and you pivoted back towards that so and i think that's great so um Really quickly, I'm curious to know, for those of you, uh, for those that have listened this far, what would you, you know, because here's what I know. There's a number of people listening right now that are like, man, I want to know more about what he's doing, what's going on, how can I get in contact with him, maybe even pick up a copy of the book. What's going to be the best way for them to track you down?
2: uh i've got a website Steve D Sims. that's s-i-m-s dot com uh that's got a bunch of stuff on my my bio background i've also got a bunch of podcasts this one will be on there videos and it also talks to you about my book on there as well
0: got it perfect perfect so as we end up here i have a question for you because i'm i'm really want to hear the answer um l- let's let's pretend for a <laughs> moment that someone listening you know they're they're standing at what I like to call the precipice of the decision that maybe they're even in front of the superhero outfit store and Steve, they're going, you know, what? I'm going to put on that entrepreneur outfit. I'm going to pick out my cape and tights. I'm going <laughs> to do this thing. And you know, this to be very, very true at the moment, at those moments, there's often a companion with us and that companion comes in the form of a voice. And that voice often reminds us of why we can't do it, how it won't work. Who are we to think that we could ask for such a thing? And for some people, they're even related to that voice. So my question to you is as follows. Let's pretend this time, they're actually going to do it. And not only are they going to do it, they're gonna take action within the next 24 to 48 hours of, and, 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 cause they wanna to proceed towards making it happen. So my question to you is what, what would you suggest that they do?
2: Wow, that's a, that's a big lead up to, to a question. What they su- so? I think I need to refine that question. What would I suggest they need to do to what do that goal B- do to their- begin?
0: Yes, to begin making things happen because that's what you do.
2: You All make right, so. I am. I am a. Um, okay. So here's a true story. I had a client that wanted to get married in the Vatican. The first thing I did was I phoned my local church because I thought surely a Catholic person is going to know more than me. Now I'm Catholic but I thought surely if you go to a church, they're gonna give you one step further. I'm a great believer in breaking it down to millimeters. And so if there is something that you wanna do, if you have that dream, and you know the whole thing, you've gotta know the goalpost, otherwise you're never gonna hit it. Now the goalpost can change the closer you get, but you first of all gotta have something in focus to be able to hit it. So the first thing you should do is make sure you do something this second that gives you one millimeter closer to your goal and starts that momentum. And the beautiful thing about momentum is that once it starts, it's much easier to keep going. And quite simply, we'll bowl through anything that gets in your way. So if you've got a dream of owning a florist store, then pick a name out and buy the web domain. If you want to own a uh, consulting business, who do you want to be compared to? And start getting those on in your in your vision board. You know, if you want to set up a clothing line, go and buy yourself a, a needle and thread. Do something minute that gets you one millimeter closer than you were ten minutes ago.
0: Excellent, well said. I, I love that because there's so many times where we can read ourselves into boliv- <laughs> oblivion and keep <laughs> trying to think about what I'm going to do next as opposed to actually taking some action steps. And I just wanna be the first uh, to say thank you for, for doing what you do, for making the impossible probable and, and, and more importantly, getting it done. And, and just knowing that, that, hey, this is the, this is my zone. This is what I'm supposed to be out there doing. And I really appreciate you taking the time to share your knowledge, your insight, as well as your wisdom here with us today at the Cashflow Diary, sir.
2: Cheers, buddy. It's been, it's been good, I've had fun. Great questions.
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is. It's time for you to move at the speed of instruction. What does that mean? That means get over to his website. That means pick up the book. That means do something. And that's what's exciting. Here's the cool thing. One of the most fun things I, can, I have ever done, and I believe you can ever do, is to think about those things. Just put yourself in a space and go, you know what? If everything was possible, what would I do? And start writing that down and figure out some of the things that get you excited. And just take one millimeter step closer to it. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been fun talking to you today. I look forward to talking to you soon. Until next time.